Today is March 26, 2021. And our first story, Ted Cruz leads a group of Republican senators down to the U.S.-Mexico border to report in the dark on illegal immigrants and human traffickers crossing the Rio Grande. Some of these individuals are said to be mocking the politicians as they commit brazen crimes. Democrats, on the other hand, just mocked Republicans and downplayed the crisis. Our next story, Hunter Biden in the curious case of purportedly an illegally purchased firearm. The Secret Service is said to have intervened and tried to cover up the fact that Biden may have committed a crime, leaving many people upset. In a segment on Tucker Carlson, they had a discussion about how this will lead regular people to think the rule of law doesn't matter. And left wing media is slamming Tucker, saying that it's a bizarre argument. And our last story clashes for a second night in L.A. as activists fight with police over a homeless encampment. This leads to very troubling questions about what's going on in these autonomous zones and in poor black communities. Why is it that the police will move in and sweep out a homeless camp, but they will do nothing to stop far left extremists in black communities who are setting up autonomous zones and wreaking havoc? It's a question about whether or not the left actually cares about inner city violence and minority communities. Before we get into the first story, make sure you leave us a good review if you like the show. Leave us five stars and leave a comment because it really, really does help. Now, let's get into that first story. In a dramatic video, Senator Ted Cruz stood at the border of the United States and Mexico near the Rio Grande and produced what appears to be some kind of vice style mini doc talking about how he can see the smugglers right over there. I can hear the cartel members taunting us. And I I got to be honest, I laughed a whole lot when I saw this. Now, I want to be fair. I actually think it's legitimate if Ted Cruz and other Republicans want to go down to the border and show America what's happening. I just find it kind of funny that we're now like 10 years out from the vice era and we have senators producing these kinds of videos. But I got to tell you, it probably works. It is dramatic. It's enticing. It's shocking. It's scary. It's exhilarating. This might be some of the most effective politicking we've seen in a long time. And I think the whole thing is silly. Democrats are apparently blasting Republicans for doing this, calling it a political stunt. But I think the whole thing is actually, I got to be honest, it's probably effective in getting that message out. Now, let's get serious. If a non-American came to me and said, Tim, can you explain to me what the Senate in your country does? Well, I could give them the straight answer. Our senators represent the states to the federal government and our representatives, they represent the people. So senators are the upper chamber of the legislative body. And then oh, hold on, hold on. And they're going to say to me, but why is Ted Cruz down at the river producing this mini doc? Why are Democrats fighting performatively and not doing anything? Why has it been that Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley and other Republicans have roasted big tech CEOs on and off every other month or whatever for years, and nothing has gotten done. And I will tell them, you know, honestly, I don't know. Maybe what they really do is perform for us to make it seem like they're actually doing things. And in turn, we don't actually get substantive policy change. We get Ted Cruz down at the border saying, I can hear the cartel members taunting us. I'm not trying to be mean. I do think this is important. We've long said that politics is downstream from culture. Okay, so Ted Cruz and Republicans producing a video like this it actually may be effective. I have to wonder, though, if that's what's happening. Are we going to see Republicans actually take action at the federal level? Because it seems like for the most part, they don't really fight for anything. I know Democrats say the opposite is true. They say Republicans are willing to take and steal and do whatever to get what they want. 
But I think back to the past four years and the most important issues that would have helped the Republicans, they didn't do anything about. Now, Donald Trump did take action. Donald Trump did stop the surge at the border. And now we're seeing one of the stupidest and weirdest but predictable things. The establishment Democrat types are acting like Joe Biden is not at fault. There's no surge at the border. And that his press conference was perfect. It's not. There is a crisis. And according to the Wall Street Journal, we are looking at the worst illegal immigrant surge we may have seen in 20 years. So I'll tell you this. I don't know what Ted Cruz should be doing. Maybe this is something very important to produce commentary and culture and actually show Americans what's going on. And this may be an actually effective way to get get things done. But I, I am just frustrated because for all of the performative nonsense that I've seen from politicians, including Ted Cruz, I've not seen any substantive change. And I'm not confident that this will actually do anything, though I'll say this much more important or effective, in my opinion, than yelling at Jack Dorsey or, you know, Mark Zuckerberg. Let's read about what they actually found. And then I'll give you the real data, because for every criticism that I can, you know, lay to the Republicans for not getting things done, I do think it's important to actually show people what's happening. And if you're not going to get it from leftist media, well, then I suppose Ted Cruz had no option but to just go and do this. Forgive me if I still think it's funny because he's like hosting a Vice style documentary. Sure. Before we get started, though, my friends, head over to TimCast.com and become a member to get access to exclusive members-only segments, some of which are probably a little over-the-top and offensive. But hey, we're allowed to say a lot of things on TimCast.com we don't say on YouTube. So we just had Jeremy Hambly from The Quartering yesterday in an exclusive member-only post. We had Aaron Berg, comedian. We had comedian Chrissy Mayer. And we had Kurt Schlichter, Jack Murphy. To be honest, we got a big library of content now with a ton of full on episodes. Some are weird. Some are interesting. Some are about God and whatever. Go to TimCast.com, become a member, help support the show in the event that we get banned from YouTube or the Internet. We will keep producing here. And with your support, we will expand and do more. And don't forget to like, share, subscribe, hit that notification bell. Let's read the story from the Daily Mail. Quote, I can hear cartel members taunting us. Ted Cruz leads group of 18 Republican senators on midnight hunt to uh, for migrants and smugglers trying to cross the Rio Grande. They say the Texas senator is leading one leading one of a dueling group of lawmakers to the border on Friday to visit facilities holding migrant teens. Democratic Rep. Joaquin Castro of Texas is leading a group of House Democrats on their own trek. The Republican senators are in the Rio Grande Valley to draw attention to what they call President Joe Biden's border crisis. The Biden administration reportedly repeatedly has refused to describe the situation as a crisis amid record high surges of migrants. The Rio Grande Valley is seeing more of the largest numbers of migrants crossing into the U.S. I do believe I'll pause for a second for a second here that Jen Psaki did refer to it as a crisis. Maybe it wasn't intentional, but my understanding is that she did. They say Cruz posted videos on his Twitter feed showing him on the bank of the Rio Grande in the dark, surrounded by tall grass or weeds, watching what he claims were smugglers trying to get migrants across the water and into the U.S. Quote, that's Mexico right over there. And you can see there are there there are three smugglers right there. Cruz is heard saying, standing on the Mexico side, looking at us. He also said those smugglers were taunting the senators on the U.S. side. The footage is hard to see, showing grass in the dark river with few flashes of light. Cruz said those were the smugglers' flashlights. He posted another dramatic video, describing it as live footage from the banks of the Rio Grande that showed him standing on the river's edge, giving a report on what he and the Republicans saw on their midnight march. Quote, 
So it's past midnight, and I'm standing on the shore of the Rio Grande. The water is right, is right behind me down. I'm down on the Texas border, along with 18 senators. We made the trip to see the crisis that is playing out, Cruz said as he stood in the weeds on the shoreline. Dogs could be heard barking in the background as he spoke. Here's what I love about these hosted little documentaries, because I used to do a bunch of them for Vice. For some reason, people always start their sentence with the word so, and I, I never understood why. I thought it was a bad habit. They'll turn the camera on and go, so here I am. Why don't you say we're here at the border? Why, why do you need to add that? I don't know. But I highlight this because of its absurdity, because it really is like Ted Cruz is doing. I mean, he's doing journalism. Let's be real. You know what I mean? Should he be in Washington writing up legislation? Maybe. Should he be voting on things? Sure. But I'm not confident that Congress is getting anything done. And if politics is downstream from culture, Ted Cruz actually going out and doing journalism, as silly as it may seem to all of us, I don't know, maybe it's actually a good thing. They go on to say, quote, on the other side of the river is Mexico. The other side of the river, we have been listening to and seeing cartel members, human traffickers right on the other side of the river, waving flashlights, yelling and taunting Americans, taunting the border patrol, because they know that under the current policy, the Biden administration, they can flood over here. And that's just true, man. Look, they want to roast Donald Trump over the kids in cages thing. And now that it's Joe Biden, many of these establishment Democrat types are saying it's not kids in cages. They're better facilities. They're they're migrant holding centers. The left, the progressives, still critical of Joe Biden over this. However, not nearly as critical as they should be. Recently, there's a, there was a, there were some posts from Project Veritas. They put out exclusive photos from inside these camps. And James O'Keefe said, AOC, are you going to speak out against this? I highlighted on Twitter that AOC did, in fact, speak out against this. But there was a good point brought up to counter this saying, where is she now? It seems performative. Under Trump, she waved her arms in the air and she screamed all day and night. Under Biden, she tweeted a couple times. And now what? The Democrats that are going there, in my opinion, will likely come back and be like, you know what? Joe Biden's doing a great job. Hopefully they don't. Hopefully they come out and say, do better. But I'll tell you this. Donald Trump was not wrong to detain these children, and Joe Biden was not, is, is not wrong to reopen these facilities to detain children. It is nightmarish. It is horrible, I understand, but the alternative is worse. I have maintained that position under Trump. I will maintain that under Biden. I'm not going to roast Biden simply because I don't like that he's a Democrat. I'm not a fan of Joe Biden, but if something makes sense and needs to be done, it needs to be done. The problem is all of these Democrats who did scream about Trump and then changed their positions, and they did, and we'll get to them. They say, Cruz blasted Biden's policies for the increase in migration. Republicans claim it was Biden's executive orders that rolled back stricter border control policies put in place by Trump that led to the surge. Quote, this is a humanitarian crisis. The Texas senator said it's a public health crisis. The illegal immigrants who are being released, they're testing positive for COVID-19 at seven times higher than the American population. And it's a national security crisis. And it's time for the Biden administration to put an end to it and stop sanctioning lawless chaos on our southern border. Let me just tell you, there's a meme going around and they say, when you finally realize that they opened the border before our states during a pandemic, then you will notice you've been played. Something to that effect. It's, it's, it's not that they've opened the borders, but they've certainly relaxed these policies in a very strange way. At a time when our states are shuttered, a variety of them, many red states are opening back up, and travel is extremely restricted, particularly in the UK. Man, they'll fine you if you try and leave your country. It's strange 
that Joe Biden would roll back policies from Trump, would release people into the U.S. These people should be quarantined. They don't do it. Something ain't right. They say Cruz was joined by fellow Texas Senator John Cornyn, South Carolina Senator Lindsey Graham, Maine Senator Susan Collins, and others in his travels. The senators are scheduled to hold a press conference later Friday. Cornyn posted a photo of the group of lawmakers after their tour, writing, before we began our full day touring critical areas around the southern border, the senators I brought down to Texas wanted to thank the CBP RGV Midnight Patrol for all their hard work they are doing to keep our nation safe amidst this crisis. And the Senate Republicans official Twitter account posted photos and an update from the expedition. 1 a.m. on our southern border, 18 senators are here with Border Patrol on their night shift. We saw the massive influx of migrant crossings, countless women and children. We were heckled by cartels. This is a humanitarian crisis, and Joe Biden needs to address it immediately. Beto O'Rourke, the former Democratic congressman who lives in El Paso and lost his bid to unseat Cruz, retweeted it with a mocking reply. Thank God you survived the heckling. Democrats who have blamed the Trump administration for the problems at the border blasted the trip as a political stunt. Quote, in a desperate attempt to mislead the country, world-renowned political clown Ted Cruz and his hapless sidekick John Cornyn are bringing their show on the road with their latest political stunt. The Democratic National Committee said in a statement on Friday, I- I'm-, I'm not here for that. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not here for that. Sorry. No, nah, uh-uh. This is my problem with the Democrats. By all means, I can make fun of Ted Cruz for doing a Vice documentary, and I can say, well, at least he's showing some people some stuff. And what do we get from Kamala Harris? She laughed. Not an exaggeration. They said, will you visit the border? And she went, <laughs> well, not today. What is funny? Somebody died recently, a child. I'm sick of this, okay? The kids who are being, who are, who are detained by Joe Biden, Joe Biden is not wrong to do that. He deserves uh, the credit, in my opinion, for his administration taking these kids in because we need to make sure they are in some kind of regulated facility where they can stay safe. But, the, but these Democrats, that mock situation, Kamala Harris, who laughs about it, and Beto O'Rourke says, thank, thank God you survived the heckling. You think this is funny? They turn it into stupid politics. I'm not here for it. I'm not. I'm sick of this. You want to criticize Ted Cruz, by all means, say, Ted, we get it. There are problems we are working to solve. It is not helped by your political stunt. Hey, that might be an appropriate criticism, right? Now, I don't I don't actually agree with that. I do think Ted Cruz is providing a service by filming this. I still think it's kind of funny. But for them to come out and just mock and, and belittle, they don't care about these people. I am not convinced they do. They actually, Beto, I believe Beto campaigned when, when he was running for president, he campaigned in Mexico. They encourage this crisis. I'm, si- I'm, I'm sick of it. It seems like when you see Ted Cruz, they may be, you know, it, it, again, maybe silly this thing they're doing, but they're taking it seriously, very seriously. And Beto O'Rourke is acting like human trafficking is some joke. I'm sick of this, man. I really am. It is a crisis. Let me tell you, I want Every single migrant who wants to come to this country to be able to do so. But there is a reason we go through a process. We don't want children dying, man. Is that funny to you, Beto? Is this funny to people, the photos that we've seen? It's not to me. So when when Donald Trump and the C- and his administration and the CBP were picking up these kids and bringing them to these facilities, it was the right move. There was some kid who was who was found sick in the desert. And CBP brought this kid to a facility where the kid eventually died. And they blamed CBP for it. That kid would have died alone in the desert. 
Now we're hearing another story about another kid dying and Beto and these Democrats just mock and belittle the Republicans. Gotta own the Republicans. Good on Joe Biden. Good on Joe Biden for having these facilities up and running and bringing these kids somewhere. Bad on Joe Biden for pulling back on these policies that is creating this poll factor. And the media is lying about this. The Wall Street Journal says men looking for work drive surge in illegal crossings at the U.S. border. Most of those apprehended are men in search of jobs with the pandemic easing in the U.S. and fewer opportunities at home. They say the surge in illegal immigration across the southern U.S. border is shaking up, shaping up to be the biggest in 20 years, unlike migrant surges in 2019 and 2014 which were predominantly made up of Central American families and unaccompanied children. So far, this one is being driven by individual adults. I'd like to show you this image. We can see that right now, at the beginning of 2021, there is a massive spike of single adults and some unaccompanied children. Among unaccompanied children and families, the number is actually massive. Now, under Donald Trump, we still had a surge. That's true. Trump wanted to build the wall and the surge was bigger. It really was. Back at the end of, uh, I'm sorry, mid 2019, we saw that there was a massive spike in families and single adults. But, you know, the spike of single adults wasn't that big trying to come to this country. And Donald Trump got strict and the, and, and the surge dropped. It's not the same. This, this drop off is very different from other years. It is not a seasonal repetition. Now, there is seasonal seasonal repetition where in the colder months where it's safer to travel, they do. It's it's darker. So in some sense, they're less likely to be seen. And it's also not as hot. So it's you know safer in that capacity. Under Donald Trump, there were serious problems. Donald Trump enacted policies which helped pull this crisis down. Under Joe Biden, the crisis is getting worse. But more importantly, it's happening faster. So what you need to understand is Donald Trump was not a saint and he was not perfect in his policies to curtail illegal immigration, but he took it seriously and he was very strict. Joe Biden rescinded many of these 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 orders or these these policies said they were bad. And now things are shaping up to be worse than we've seen in 20 years because the peak that is happening now is happening much earlier than it did last time around. And that's what we're seeing across the board. I'd like to show you this from Chief Patrol Agent Austin Scarro. He says over 2,240 illegal aliens have been encountered in Del Rio sector over the past three days alone. These arrests contribute to the nearly 300 percent increase in apprehensions over the last year. This increase is far higher than the normal seasonal fluctuations we traditionally see. So here's what you will hear hear from on the left. There's no surge. Joe Biden said, truth is nothing changed. It's the winter. It happens. That's not true. ABC and NBC have reported that migrants are saying in no uncertain terms that Joe Biden is giving them an opportunity and now's their chance. And what we're seeing is a massive increase. Were there spikes under Trump? Yes. Did Trump solve all the problems? Of course not. But he took it seriously and he solved some of the problems. I don't think Trump nailed it. He wanted to build a big, beautiful wall from sea to shining sea, but he was criticized for apprehending unaccompanied minors and families. The left accused him of putting kids in cages. And now that Joe Biden is doing it, many of the establishment Democrat types are just giving Joe Biden a free pass. So tell me, which is it? Was it a crisis then? Is it a crisis now? When will we take this seriously? And why is it that as soon as Joe Biden gets into office, unaccompanied minors surge? Because that wasn't happening under Trump. Adults were, though. That surge seemed to have been happening in 2020. 
Check this out. Center for American Progress. They reposted a story that came from the Washington Post. A lie. It says there's no migrant surge at the U.S. southern border. Here's the data. That's a lie. An outright lie published by the Washington Post. Now, there's a reason why I'm showing you the Center for American Progress instead of the Washington Post. It says the above excerpt was originally published in the Washington Post. Please click here to view the full article. Interesting. Here's what they say. Last week at the U.S. border with Mexico, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy declared that the recent increase in unaccompanied minors attempting to enter the U.S. was a crisis created by the presidential policies of this newest, newest, this new administration. We looked at data from U.S. Customs and Border Protection to see whether there's a crisis or even a surge. As many news outlets have characterized it, we analyzed monthly CBP data from 2012 to now and found no crisis or surge that can be attributed to the Biden administration policies. Rather, the current increase in apprehensions fits a predictable pattern of seasonal changes in undocumented immigration combined with a backlog of demand because of 2020's coronavirus border closure. Maybe. But they said no surge. I just showed you the graph. It's a huge spike. It's it's massive. It's going to rival May 2019 under Trump, which again, under Trump, there were surges. When Donald Trump sought to end these problems, with new policies, Joe Biden reversed these. And now we've heard from illegal immigrants. It's because of that they're coming. These all play a role. I'm not saying Joe Biden is responsible for literally every single person, but he's contributing. That's the point. Here's the updated Washington Post story. The migrant surge at the U.S. southern border is actually a predictable pattern. Oh, what's that? That's right. They changed the story. They changed the headline because evidence reveals the usual seasonal bump. Plus some of the people who waited during the pandemic. Is that it? They're arguing that Donald Trump's policies didn't actually stop the flow of migrants. In fact, it was just the pandemic. Okay, maybe. But Donald Trump shut down the southern border. He had been trying to for some time. I guess he had to use COVID to do it. So, okay. But it would be ridiculous to claim that Donald Trump did not contribute to stopping the flow of much of these these illegal immigrants. The Washington Post says the post has been updated because they changed the name. Fox News says Washington Post changes headline about no migrant surge acknowledges record flow of unaccompanied minors at border. Left wing columnist Jennifer Rubin heavily cited the analysis to scold reporters about their border coverage. They say the initial headline of the piece from its monkey cage blog read there's no migrant surge at the U.S. southern border. Here's the data. The headline now is the migrant surge at the southern border is actually a predictable pattern. While the piece says it was updated, it it does not specify how. The story also included notable changes in its text, as noted by Hot Air's John Sexton. One sentence was changed from, quote, what we're seeing, seeing, in other words, isn't a surge or crisis, but a predictable seasonal shift. They changed this to, quote, what we're seeing right now is a predictable seasonal shift. The revised piece also includes a section about the number of unaccompanied minors that wasn't originally there. What is more unusual at this moment is the increase in border crossings by unaccompanied minors, which appears to be more than just a seasonal pattern. Oh, (laughs) so it's true. There's a crisis. It is kids. That has been the centerpiece of the news the entire time. So the Washington Post actually admits there is a humanitarian crisis, and it's the unaccompanied minors. Amazing. They say the post now reads, this poses a more distinctive challenge for the Biden administration, although although it is also possible that there will be a similar drop in crossings by minors during the summer months. 
It is still it still suggested there was no evidence Biden administration policies had contributed to the surge. Although in the next sentence, it acknowledges smugglers had claimed it would be easier to get into the country once Trump was out of office. However, the Biden administration created a carve out specifically for minors and its Title 42 authority to expel migrants at the border. The new portion of the analysis also linked to another Washington Post story that says the Biden administration is facing a rush with no precedent involving children and teenage migrants. Border officials are on pace to take in more than 17,000 minors this month, which would be a record. I am sick of the lies, man. Why can't they just be honest? You know what I mean? Be honest and stand up for what you believe in. Hey, I am Tim Pool. I think that we should tax the rich. I think we should have a high progressive tax because I don't like George Soros and, the, and Mackenzie Bezos, and I don't like the Mercers flooding the zone to, sh- to crush working class voices. That's my opinion. I might be wrong because I'm not a genius, and maybe you disagree. Hey, let's have an honest conversation about it. I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of people comment below and saying, Tim, you're wrong about this one, but hey, at least you're being honest about what you believe. Instead, what we get is the media lying every step of the way. My friends, I would like to present you the stupidest, mind-numbing bit of evidence that the media is a trash rag full of lying grifter hypocrites. I give you the Washington Post's Jennifer Rubin. Oh, she's supposed to be a conservative. Then all of a sudden, she found herself defending Democrats. Why? Because she is a grifter. I love it. They're like, Tim Pool's a grifter, man. He's lying to you. It's like, okay, um, I've, I've, I've got how many videos where I talk about why I think a progressive tax is good and we need to tax the wealthy at a higher rate to stop them from flooding the zone and shutting out working class voices? That's my honest opinion. And if people don't agree with it, they're free to disagree with me. And sometimes they do. Jennifer Rubin, look at this. The Washington Post. Biden excels at his first news conference. The media embarrass themselves. This is a joke. Jennifer Rubin is now mocking her own newspaper because she's so desperate to just be the pro-Democrat darling. She's supposed to be a conservative. What are this woman's principles? How about principles lack thereof? She didn't have any. I've explained in great detail how Biden is not wrong for detaining these kids. These kids need a place to go. Otherwise, they die. And Trump wasn't wrong either. I don't like Joe Biden. Y'all know I don't like Joe Biden, but I will at least give him credit or defend him when he's doing something that needs to be done. He recently sanctioned China. Maybe it's not going to work out like we hope, but I will give respect to the Biden administration for doing something right. Instead, this is what our media apparatus is. They, they will smear Trump and lie about him every step of the way, and they will do everything to lie to protect Joe Biden. And I am sick of it. So much so, she's actually mocking the media. I absolutely love this. My friends, I'd like to give you now the glory that is Joe Biden's press conference. The Daily Mail says photos show Joe Biden, 78, relied on 14 point font prompt cards during his first press conference, including one with headshots of reporters he planned to call on, lost his train of thought at times. Here's the photo. Joe Biden is holding up a picture of reporters faces, and there are numbers next to their faces, apparently for who he is supposed to call on their names. And I wouldn't be surprised if it included some questions because he also had notes about what he was going to say. Here's another card that talks about It says the president infrastructure, the United States now ranks 13th globally. China spends three times more on infrastructure bridges. Hey, I like that. My respect to Joe Biden for focusing on infrastructure. A lot of gun rights people were angry. When are you going to talk about gun rights? And Joe Biden's like, now we're going to do infrastructure. I agree. We got an infrastructure problem. That's great. The point is, first, I will say this. 
I don't care that Joe Biden used notes. I really don't. A lot of people use notes. Effectively, I do. When I do these segments, I've got all of these stories pulled up so I can cite them for you. That's a combination of things. It keeps my thoughts aligned. It sh- I have everything lined up on uh, on my computer so that I can go through the story and talk about what I think is important. But also it's citation. I want to make sure that, you know, I'm referencing something NewsGuard certified, by the way. Now, if Joe Biden was actually being instructed to call on specific reporters because he's not doing the job himself, I think that's worthy of criticism for Jennifer Rubin to come out and be like, Joe Biden excels at his first news conference. No, he didn't. It was milk toast and tepid at best and actually kind of bad. It was symbolic more than anything. It wasn't a real press conference. Joe Biden stuttered and stumbled. And there was one point where he just lost his train of thought completely and just stopped talking. It's being memed now. And then you see Joe Scarborough on MSNBC. They highlight Hannity on Fox News saying Joe couldn't even finish his sentence. He's like, oh, what? Where am I? Where are my notes? Ah, and then Scarborough shows a moment of, of Joe Biden somewhat stuttering a little bit, but completing his thought to manipulate and to gaslight. The media in this country is lying to you. OK, I do not think Fox News get a, gets, gets a free pass on this one either, but they're not nearly as bad. Now, I'm not a big fan of Sean Hannity. I'm not a fan of the show. I don't watch it or Ingram either. I don't watch Rachel Maddow. I don't watch Chris Hayes. I do sometimes watch Tucker Carlson. But look, although I think Tucker Carlson's probably the best guy on TV, I'm still not the biggest fan or proponent of him, though I, I give him a six out of 10, in my opinion. I'd recommend him. I really would, because he, he, he does excel at articulating his thoughts and representing you know, people in this country better than anyone else. I think the other Fox News hosts are just tribal rage. And that's true for, for MSNBC. There's a lot of things about Tucker Carlson I disagree with. To see a story like this, you know they're lying in your face. Look at this. Ruben writes, after weeks of whining, the White House press corps got its first official Biden presidential news conference on Thursday. President Biden used the event to pledge. Yeah, 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 we get it. Asked how hard he would work for his policy goals. He responded that all of my focus so far has been on COVID-19 recovery. On immigration, he made clear that crowded facilities at the southern border are not the result of policy change from his administration or the fact that migrants see him as a nice guy. He pointed out that there was a higher surge under his predecessor last spring, which certainly was not because migrants believed the former president was a nice guy. Well, I don't know exactly why there was a surge, but many thought it was because Trump was going to lock things down and that if you wanted to get in, you had to come now, now, now. We also saw many migrant caravans. People got it in their heads. If we come together, it'll work. I go on to say on, uh, on immigration, yada, yada, it happens every single solitary year, Biden noted. In his lengthy response to questions about the border, he showed his skill in de-escalating issues. One message came across loud and clear. We're building back up the capacity that should have been maintained and built upon by Trump, uh, that built upon that Trump dismantled. It's going to take time. One reporter mentioned a nine-year-old she had seen at the border and asked if Biden's messaging was contributing to the problem. No, he responded, um, uh, again, offering a detailed answer about the problems refugees face in their home countries. Prodded with the question about whether overcrowding was acceptable, he responded, come on, of course it was unacceptable. He said listing steps he's taking to find more beds for unaccompanied minors. The repeated questions on the same topic were tiresome and a poor use of precious time. When reporters, look at this, they try as they might to seem tough. The media did not succeed in knocking Biden off message. Biden spoke in great detail, blah, 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 blah. The media is finally asking questions. They got rid of some of the grandstanding nonsense reporters, not even really reporters. And now we can see these sycophantic 
faux conservative, never Trump types are continuing the grift. It's all they have. They will say Joe Biden is the best, the best, the best, no matter what he does. Donald Trump is bad for a lot of reasons. He's good for some reasons. Joe Biden is bad for a lot of reasons. He's good for very few reasons. It's not hard to be honest, man. Maybe there are a lot of people who genuinely believe Biden is a saint who can do no wrong. But this woman contradicts herself. Biden is not perfect. Neither was Trump. And we can praise them when they do good jobs. But it is it is a problem. And I will say this about anybody. Mind this, my friends, anybody who refuses to criticize someone for doing something bad, question whether or not they're being honest with you. And you will find this among the left and the right or whatever political tribe. It should not be hard. And I tell you this. Among the conservatives I talk to and I see on social media, it tends to be the exception, not the rule that they're sycophantic. As for the left, it tends to be the rule and not the exception. There are many people on the left who have no problem criticizing Biden because they never liked him. People like AOC. But now you can see people like Rubin. You see, she's full of it. She's like, oh, I don't really like, you know, support Democrats, but Trump is just so bad. Now it's well, well, Biden can do no wrong. Then you do have the sycophantic Trump supporters. Else, well, Trump must be doing it for a reason. But I see among conservatives the honesty that Trump ain't perfect. Don't like that about Trump. I guess that one's okay. I like him more than I don't like him. I see a lot of people who say Trump is perfect and can do no wrong. And I think that's nuts. Among Biden, you see a lot of these establishment types will just say Biden can do no wrong. Drop it. Now, we kind of drifted from the initial story, but the reality is the migrant crisis is getting bad. So good on the Republicans for going down and trying to highlight it. I think it's a little silly and kind of funny, and I wonder what it is they, sh- they could or should be doing. But if the journalists aren't going to do it, I suppose Ted Cruz has to. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up tonight at 8 p.m. live, youtube.com slash TimCastIRL. The quartering will be joining us, so make sure you check it out, and we'll see you all then. The shocking story. Hunter Biden, accused of illegally purchasing a firearm, his significant other illegally seizing and disposing of that firearm in a very reckless manner, throwing it in a dumpster by high school. And then when the police got involved, Hunter Biden made disparaging comments about Mexican people. Wow. By the standards set forth in the media, this would make Hunter Biden far right, right? Gun nut lies on background check form to get gun makes disparaging comments about Mexicans. Yeah, no, that's not the story they're going with. The story that we're getting from the Daily Beast is that Tucker Carlson and Jesse Kelly are saying that the right will go full fascist because of Hunter Biden amazing how they defend literal fascism. No, 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 hear me out. Tucker Carlson and Jesse Kelly were complaining that when the establishment elites, when the noble class, when the royal families, when the government, when they protect people who break the law, regular people will stop having faith in the system. The story's crazy, man. Apparently Hunter Biden illegally buys this gun, so they say. And when his girlfriend disposes of it, the Secret Service intervenes and tries to, to tries to, to take the records of the gun purchase from the gun store. Gun owners are like, nah, because he thought they were trying to cover up the fact that Hunter Biden committed a felony. So he's like, yo, ATF, you got to get this stuff. Now the story breaks. But where is the Daily Beast to complain about the fact that Hunter Biden lied to buy a gun? Now, they're not going to bring it up. You know why? Because all of these things we see from the establishment left about background checks won't actually solve anything. Now, I know a lot of conservatives are concerned about not just conservatives, but Second Amendment advocates are concerned about gun control laws. But I'll just tell you this. I don't think Democrats actually care about gun control laws. I think they care about things they want. They want to just say they're doing something. Oh, yeah, we're going to fight this and we're going to pass a bill that what does it do? 
If background checks already exist and wait periods already exist, and you can't sell guns to people who are not legally allowed to have guns, then what's what, what's the issue? As we can see here, Hunter Biden lied and committed a felony to buy a gun and got away with it. So saith this report, or at least that's how they make it sound. I'm just trying to be very careful. Let me read you the story. It's mind blowing. And then I want to break down how the media lies about Tucker Carlson. It is not going full fascist when the government breaks the law and, 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 and cops and law enforcement won't arrest those breaking the law when people in government are allowed to do whatever they want. I'm sorry, that's closer to fascism than anything Tucker Carlson and Jesse Kelly are talking about. Here's the insane story from Politico. Secret Service inserted itself into case of Hunter Biden's gun. The bizarre incident involves a trash can, a man searching for recyclables, and eventually federal law enforcement, they say. On October 23rd, 2018, President Joe Biden's son Hunter and daughter-in-law Haley were involved in a bizarre incident in which Haley took Hunter's gun and threw it in a trash can behind a grocery store, only to return later to find it gone. Delaware police began investigating, concerned that the trash can was across from a high school and that the missing gun could be used in a crime, according to law enforcement officials and a copy of the police report obtained by Politico. But a curious thing happened at the time. Secret Service agents approached the owner of the store where Hunter bought the gun and asked to take the paperwork involving the sale, according to two people, one of whom has firsthand knowledge of the episode and the other was briefed by a Secret Service agent after the fact. The gun store owner refused to supply the paperwork, suspecting that the Secret Service officers wanted to hide Hunter's ownership of the missing gun in case it were to be involved in a crime, the two people said. The owner, Ron Palmieri, later turned over the papers to the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms and Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms and Explosives, which oversees federal gun laws. The Secret Service says it has no record of its agents investigating the incident. And Joe Biden, who was not under protection at the time, said through a spokesperson he has no knowledge of any Secret Service involvement. Days later, the gun was returned by an older man who regularly rummages through the grocery store's trash to collect recyclable items, according to people familiar with the situation. The incident did not result in charges or arrests. This is where things get interesting. They probably should have, or you'd expect them to, but they didn't. They say, but the alleged involvement of the Secret Service remains a mystery. One law enforcement official said that at the time of the incident, individual Secret Service agents at the agency's office in Wilmington, Delaware, and Philadelphia kept an informal hand in maintaining the former vice president's security. The person cited an instance in 2019 when the Wilmington office of the Secret Service called the Delaware State Police to arrange security for a public appearance by Biden. The Secret Service declined to answer questions about whether it had, whether it had informal involvement in Biden's security. Asked whether the Secret Service requested state police security, for Biden during the period when he was not under the agency's protection, a Delaware state police spokesman said, I have reached out to our sergeant who oversees the executive protection unit with the Delaware state police. He is unaware of any such requests or service was provided. Any involvement by the Secret Service on behalf of the Biden family or on its own initiative would be inappropriate interference in an incident that was already being investigated by Delaware state police with the involvement of the FBI, according to law enforcement officials. Now we'll stop right here. Already, we're well past just overlooking a crime. Now we have the Secret Service somehow intervening for some reason to cover up a very serious crime, a felony. And they actually say this. Check this out. Politico obtained copies of the firearms transaction record and a receipt for the gun dated October 12th, 2018. 
Hunter responded no to a question on the transaction record that asks, are you an unlawful user of or addicted to marijuana or any depressant stimulus, stimulant, stimulus, stimulant, narcotic drug or any other controlled substance? Five years earlier, he had been discharged from the Navy Reserve after testing positive for cocaine. And he and his family members have spoken about his history of drug use. Now, maybe the argument is Hunter says, I'm not currently, right? What about the photos that came out from the laptop? I mean, this stuff's still relatively recent, isn't it? I'm sorry, man. You take a look at the stories about Hunter Biden and the nightclubs and the things they find in his car, and it stands to reason he has always been an addict, and he lied on this form. Politico says lying on the form is a felony, though prosecutions for it are exceedingly rare. Okay, fine, I guess. But what about Haley Biden stealing the gun, chucking it into a dumpster, putting a lot of people at risk? Now, I want to stop and say one thing real quick. I am a very staunch to a supporter for for one simple reason. The Constitution says it. And I think Democrats and, you know, traditional establishment crony voter types who just support the tribe, whatever. I don't think they actually care about the Constitution. And I don't and I think it's unfair that somebody can just override the Constitution. So while I certainly think we don't want people running around the streets with crazy weapons like in New York City, well, This is the country you live in, and you don't have the moral authority to assert that you can change those rules unless you amend the Constitution. They change the rules anyway. Okay, then. Well, what Hunter Biden did is illegal. What Haley Biden did is also illegal. They say neither Haley Biden nor George Maziers, a lawyer for Hunter Biden, Maziers, however you pronounce it, responded uh, to a request for comment. The gun store incident occurred during a period after Hunter Biden's administrative discharge from the Naval Reserves for his positive cocaine test and his subsequent divorce from his first wife, Kathleen. At the time of the gun incident, Hunter was in a romantic relationship with Haley, the widow of his late brother, Beau. This is so weird, man. Like the Biden family needs their own TV show or better yet, you got to Someone's got to write a, a, a drama, a, a dramedy about this. Like you could totally you ever watch Arrested Development? That's what I imagine when I imagine the Bidens. You've got like some responsible members and you got Hunter and he's basically like Will Arnett's character, Job. And it's like. He's like, I, I bought a gun. What happened? And he's dating his wife's wit- his, 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 uh, his brother's widow. And they're both named Biden. Think about how hilarious that would be. Like, that, that, that's that's I'm sorry. I just got to say it. He goes into, uh, you know, a store and they're like, what are your names? And his, his name is Hunter Biden. And her name is Haley Biden because she married his brother. And then they assume they're married or brother and sister, but they're brother and sister in law. And he's hooking up with her. Man, the aristocrats, right? Here's what they say. The incident began when Haley searched Hunter's pickup, which had parked, uh, which was parked at her home in Wilmington because of an unspecified suspicion he had. According to the Delaware State Police report inside the truck, she found a 38 revolver. Haley took the gun to Jansen's Market, a nearby high end grocery store where the Bidens are longtime regular customers. There, she tossed the gun wrapped in a black shopping bag into a trash bin outside the store. Are you nuts, man? These people. Later that day, this is like, we got to make a TV show, short film about this. Come on. Later that day, Haley informed Hunter of what she had done, and he instructed her to retrieve the gun, according to the police report. When Haley returned to the grocery store, she found that the gun was missing from the garbage bin and reported the issue to the store. Police received calls from the store's general manager, Paula Jansen, and from another person, according to the report. The missing gun caused heightened concern, according to the police report, because the grocery store sits across from the street from Alexis, uh, Alexis I. DuPont High School. Arriving on the scene, 
Delaware State Police retrieved security camera footage from the store and interviewed Jansen, the store manager. Quote, we complied with the police and gave them whatever security footage we could, Jansen told Politico. The FBI also responded to the scene, according to people familiar with the situation. At the time, the FBI was monitoring Hunter Biden as part of an investigation that remains ongoing and that currently focuses on his taxes. FBI declined to comment. In addition to questioning Haley, police called Hunter to the scene where he was questioned outside the store's loading dock area and explained he used the gun for target practice, according to the report. Well, sure. I mean, I'm not going to impugn the honor of Hunter Biden. I don't know what he was in the gun for and target practice, I guess. Look, I think people have a right to keep and bear arms and they should be practiced and, and, and practiced and trying to use it. So I give him respect for, for that. At one point, now here we go. Here's where it gets funny. At one point, two of Jansen's employees described by the police report as Mexican males walked past the loading dock area and Hunter told a police officer that the store had some suspicious people working for it. Asked if he was referring to those two staffers, Hunter responded, yeah, probably illegal, according to the report. Far right much media? Come on, you're going to say far right Hunter Biden? Oh, they don't do that, do they? When an officer asked Hunter whether the gun had been used in a crime, the officer reported that Hunter, quote, became very agitated with me and asked me if I was intentionally trying to make him mad. These, this family, it's incredible. When the officer asked Hunter whether he had been doing drugs or drinking heavily, he responded, listen, it isn't like that. I think she believes, I'm not going to read this verbatim, but Hunter was concerned that Haley thought that he would, he would hurt himself. We'll put it that way. An officer asked Hunter whether he had called his father about the incident. And Hunter said, I have never called my dad for anything, which is a lie in my view. <laughs> Got to say that legal reasons. After being questioned, Hunter received the case for the gun, which included the gun's serial number from, uh, from Haley's house and returned to the grocery store to hand it over to the police. While police questioned Hunter and Haley, two Secret Service agents arrived at the store where Hunter had purchased the gun. StarQuest shooters and survival supply in Wilmington, according to the two people familiar with the incident. The agents showed their badges and identification cards to Palmieri, the store source owner, and asked to take possession of the firearms transaction record that Hunter had filled out to buy the gun earlier that month. Palmieri refused to hand over the transaction record to the Secret Service because such records fall under the purview of the ATF. The agents left without the records. Later that day, the ATF arrived at the store to inspect the records. Palmieri did not respond. ATF spokesman Andre Miller referred questions to the Delaware State Police. Jason Hatchell, a spokesman for the Delaware State Police, said any questions about the incident would have to be filed through a Freedom of Information Act request. The incident has received scant attention, save for a report on the conservative website The Blaze, which focuses on the state police decision not to file charges against either Hunter or Haley. A Secret Service spokesperson said the agency has no record of any involvement, which seems to be a lie. A White House spokesperson said Biden was not aware of any Secret Service involvement in the episode, blah, blah, blah. Well, here's where it gets funny. Check it out. Daily Beast. When Tucker Carlson and Jesse Kelly point out that regular people will stop having faith in this government and could result in extremism, that's quite literally the opposite of fascism. Fascism being, well, depending on how you define it, the lucrative merger of corporation and state for an autocratic system that tells people what they can and can't do. It's particularly authoritarian. When it's the bottom up of regular people saying, no, I refuse and breaking away. I'm sorry, that's not fascism. Fascism is a reference to a bundle of sticks coming together to make a strong weapon, much like the communist fist. The individual fingers are weak, but a fist is strong. That's what they're trying to say. People breaking away and losing confidence in the government. The Daily Beast is insane. And they're going after Tucker and Jesse Kelly because it's rage bait. 
And I guess maybe this is too. But I thought it was more important to lead with Hunter Biden illegally buying a gun. So 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 it seems here's what the Daily Beast reports. I love this because they actually admit in the story. It sounds like Hunter Biden committed a felony. And instead of being mad, look, these these people are about gun control, right? Instead of being mad and saying, look at how this guy bought a gun. We got to do something about it. They're like, how dare Tucker Carlson be mad? Somebody broke the law. That's where we're at these days, huh? Here's what they write. Fox News host Tucker Carlson put forth a bizarre argument on Thursday night that Hunter Biden is somehow to blame for imminent actual extremism in the country while agreeing with his guest that the obvious outcome is the right deciding to pick a fascist to lead in their near future. During his primetime Fox News program on Thursday evening, Carlson brought up the recent political story about the bizarre 2018 case involving Hunter Biden. Besides noting the Secret Service supposed involvement at the time in, in the incident, Carlson also touted one aspect of the story as proof of democratic hypocrisy on gun laws and evidence there's a separate tier of justice for the younger Biden. Quote, Politico obtained the firearms transaction records and receipt for the gun. And Hunter Biden was asked, as all gun buyers, as all gun buyers, are you addicted to or a user of unlawful substances? Of course he was. He was booted out of the Navy for it. Everyone knew it. He lied about it. That's a felony. Turning to his guest, far right talk host Jesse Kelly, the Fox News star asked the pundit how we thought it would work out for him personally if he lied in a federal gun for gun form, prompting Kelly to claim he'd currently be in Fort Leavenworth. Uh, Jesse Kelly, uh, reserve military or active? I, I, I don't know if Jesse is, so because I'm pretty sure Fort Leavenworth would be them putting him in mil- military prison. Quote, we both know how this works. Rules for the powerful Democrats and rules for the people like you and I. This is what they do. And people are sick of it. It's making people feel hopeless. It feels like there is no justice out there. It feels as useless as going to a feminist rally and trying to find. (laughs) Okay, Jesse, he said it feels like it feels as useless as going to a feminist rally and trying to find a woman who can cook. Very nice. Following Kelly's blatantly misogynistic analogy, that really triggered the Daily Beast, Carlson replied, I think you make a really solid point about the sadness and powerlessness that people feel in the face of this. The primetime host, meanwhile, wondered aloud if the situation with Hunter Biden was going to result in American citizens deciding to ignore the legal system and laws of the country. Quote, at some point, people are going to say, why should I follow the rules? Why should I be a good citizen if they don't have to follow the rules? I mean, things kind of break down at some point, don't they? Yes, they do. Why do you think we're seeing these autonomous zones, daily beast? They will break down, Kelly exclaimed. I have said this before, and I'm telling you, I am worried that I'm right. The right is going to pick a fascist within 10 to 20 years. Carlson interjected, right, that's right. Yes, the daily beast calls it a bizarre argument. So the first thing I'll say is, in, the res- in, in respect to regular people losing confidence in the system, not fascism, in respect to them literally saying people would pick a fascist. Yeah, OK. All right, fine. Literal fascism in that part. But let me point out where you're what you don't understand the Daily Beast. When regular people feel like there's no justice and then someone comes along and says, I am going to arrest every single one of these people, they're going to say, please. When they see Antifa burning down cities, they are going to beg for some kind of superior authority. They're going to say, we just want someone to do it. Antifa is operating autonomous zones in Minnesota, in Minneapolis. And it's a nightmare, according to local reports. Eventually, people are going to say, just please come in and shut it all down. And that's when it gets scary. There's a quote, uh, quote from Carlson. 
because they're not going. Oh, I'm sorry, this is Jesse Kelly, because they're not going to be the only ones on the outs. Kelly continued. We are not a tiny minority. If we are all going to be treated like criminals and all subject to every single law while Antifa and Black Lives Matter guys go free and Hunter Biden goes free, then the right is going to take drastic measures. Kelly concluded his point by claiming nobody cares about the president's son's drug use or their past behaviors. Instead, insisting that it's about justice and the need for Hunter Biden to be held accountable. So well put and absolutely right, Carlson reacted. We are moving toward actual extremism because they're undermining the systems that kept extremism at bay. I don't think we can say that enough. I'm so glad you just said it. The Daily Beast doesn't want to admit it. They don't want to admit it is true. If you have a two tier justice system, people will lose their minds. Don't you understand, Daily Beast, why people are marching for Black Lives Matter? Because they felt that there was a two tier justice system. These people feel that the white privilege in this country allows people to get away with it, with crimes. They say, oh, when these when these tragedies happen and it's a white individual who's captured, they just arrest them when it's somebody else. Oh, well, and the cops are shooting. OK, now apply that very same logic to what they're saying. The son of the now president appears to have committed a very serious felony and nothing happened. The big tech companies, everything they did to protect Joe Biden from his his horrible son, and his family scandals is uh, it's shocking to most people. The double standard is so palpable that I don't even know. Like, how, what, what do we keep saying? Are, 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 everybody knows. Everybody knows the fight is fixed and uh, the poor stay poor, the rich stay rich. That's how it goes, right? Hunter Biden can do whatever he wants, commit crimes. His significant other with the same last name because his brother's wi- uh, widow can illegally chuck the gun in a dumpster by a high school and no one gets in trouble at all. And the Secret Service appears to be trying to cover the whole thing up. Man, wow. When you're a royal family, you know, maybe that's why people get into politics, because you become untouchable. So long as you're a Democrat, I suppose, for the most part, untouchable. It's a it's a corrupt machine. It's mafioso like the government is not doing it's not. They're not sending their best. I'll put it that way. Well, Tucker is correct. And so is Jesse. And the Daily Beast is just trying to rile you up. I don't care if it's the left or the right. When people see injustice in the system and stop believing in it, then things break down. And what did you see? We saw the left devolve into extremism, defunding the police, burning down buildings because they felt they weren't getting justice. What Jesse Kelly and Tucker Carlson are saying is that when you see Antifa and Black Lives Matter doing these things and there's no justice, then you say justice is gone. Isn't it funny? It's hyperpolarization. The, 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 the Black Lives Matter groups want accountability from officers who've, who've committed uh, uh, a crime, be it manslaughter or neglect. They also do want innocent cops to go to prison, too. Don't get me wrong. Not every single instance where a cop kills somebody is police brutality or a crime. Sometimes it's a tragedy. It's unfortunate. But the people on these on the left want accountability for police. And too often the cops, the cops aren't held accountable because of this. They say, I don't believe in the system anymore. They go and burn down buildings and destroy the lives of other people. Conservatives see this and say the cops won't do anything about that either. And then you start to see something truly amazing. Videos of conservatives throwing Blue Lives Matter flags into the dirt and stomping on it. That's right, because now the conservatives are realizing it is a broken justice system. It doesn't matter if you're on the left, black, white, Asian, and the left should be would be wise to understand this. What matters is, are you in the establishment political class and well connected? Because then you'll get away with whatever you want. But if you actually demand justice, they'll tell you to shove off and the media will smear smear you for it. 
That's how it's, that's how it works, I suppose, but I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out, and I'll see you all then. For the past couple of nights, there have been ongoing protests and clashes with police in Los Angeles as the police try to clear out a homeless camp. There are some people on social media saying, thank you for giving us back our park. And many on the left are saying it's a lawful assembly. This brings up some really interesting questions. The people who are down here peacefully assembling have a First Amendment right to peacefully assemble. It's interesting where we draw that line. And so I asked myself, who would you agree with in this regard? The police clearing out this homeless camp and these protesters and even arresting journalists in the process tweeting that journalists have no specific rights and they must disperse as well? Or do you support the protesters and the First Amendment right to peaceably assemble? The problem, I suppose, that's affecting us culturally is the autonomous zones. And when you see these homeless camps being set up and far left activists coming in and occupying these spaces, there is a reasonable fear, well, that the far left could set up something like we saw in Minneapolis or like we are seeing in Minneapolis, where now we're hearing the FBI to monitor Minneapolis autonomous zone in George Floyd Square amid Derek Chauvin trial. So this was last week we learned this. Now we are seeing these riots and it makes for a principal conundrum. Look, I believe in the right to peaceably assemble. And then you have to ask yourself, what happens if you give these people that opportunity? Do we wait until the autonomous zones are set up and then have cops go in with guns to clear them out? Maybe. Maybe that's what we have to do. We have to respect that until a line is crossed, you can't just kick someone out of a park. Let me read the story and tell you what's going on, and I'll show you what the police are saying. The Daily Mail reports, second night of violent clashes erupt between LAPD and at least 100 protesters trying to stop officers clearing Echo Park of homeless who have overrun the popular beauty spot. They say, Clashes broke out on Thursday night between officers from the LAPD and at least 100 protesters who were trying to stop police from clearing out Echo Park's homeless encampment. A newly installed fence surrounded the popular LA Park Thursday after authorities moved in to evict residents of the large homeless encampment, despite protests by the people who live there and their supporters. Only a few tents and about a dozen people remained by evening along the grassy banks of Echo Park Lake where tents had proliferated for months during the coronavirus pandemic, sparking concerns about trash, drugs, and violence. Residents argued that the complaints were overblown and the encampment offered a community setting for people without means to have who have nowhere else to live. Police gave people until 10.30 p.m. Thursday to leave so that the city could perform what officials said were necessary repairs to the site. But just after 11 p.m., the LAPD announced that an unlawful assembly had been declared in the area of Lemoyne and Park Avenue due to a large crowd who is utilizing high intensity lights in an attempt to blind officers and prevent them from performing their duties and or defend themselves if needed. Now, that brings us to the first roadblock <clears throat> in these, in, 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 or I should say, the first, I guess, conundrum. Are these people just peacefully standing around and minding their own business as they're allowed to do? Or is this a subversive attempt to disrupt the police and allow people to commit crimes? There are some tough, uh, tough questions here. If the police are coming in to try and deal with drugs, okay, should people have a right to possess drugs if they want? I'm rather libertarian on this one. So I don't necessarily like the idea of the police coming in, disrupting a peaceful gathering, because there are some laws that I quite frankly don't agree with. However, at the same time, we have to recognize that we don't all agree with all the laws and we have to recognize this is a democratic, we have democratic institutions and it's a constitutional republic. What does that mean? 
Guess what? There's a lot of things I don't like. There's a lot of things they don't like. They don't want me to own guns. And well, I'd like to. So I don't like the idea that they can impose these laws banning certain things. And I'm rather libertarian, but I still abide by them because I recognize we're trying to live together. So how do you deal with a problem like this when residents are saying there's an abundance of, of homelessness, it's getting worse, and it could potentially lead to one of these autonomous zone type, type situations? I don't know, man. I really don't. I look at peaceful protests. I respect them, and I think they're a good thing for this country. And I'm not a big fan of police coming in and declaring assemblies unlawful when nothing actually has been unlawful. We have this tweet from the LAPD from last night, and they say, the LAPD has declared an unlawful assembly in the area of Lemoyne and Park Avenue due to a large crowd who is utilizing high intensity lights in an attempt to blind officers and prevent them from performing their duties and or defend themselves if needed. A dispersal order has been given at Lemoyne and Park. A designated protest zone has been established on Glendale Boulevard north of Park for the Echo Park incident. A media viewing area has been established at the northwest corner of Glendale Boulevard and Park. Sorry. I'm not going to be supporting the cops on that one. You don't get to just decide you can set up a free speech zone and tell me I have to go. I have to go there. The First Amendment says Congress shall make no law establishing, you know, the right to freedom of speech, et cetera, et cetera. You get the point. From this, we have seen the Supreme Court rule. I have a right to peacefully assemble and the media has a right to report the police in this instance. I believe I believe they were in the wrong. Like I said, I think probably what needs to happen is when they actually cross that line and it becomes an autonomous zone and there's rampant lawlessness, you move in. You don't need to say there's an unlawful assembly. You quite literally should come out. And if this is the case, say several individuals have weapons or drugs. There you go. I don't like the idea of unlawful assembly and free speech zones. They say penal code section 409. Every person remaining present at the place of a riot route or unlawful assembly after the same has been lawfully warned to disperse except public officers and persons assisting them in attempting to disperse the same as guilty of a misdemeanor. As a reminder, members of the media are also to obey the dispersal orders. Members of the media are to use the designated media viewing area at the northwest corner of Glendale and Park. Not interested. Sorry, I think reporters have a right to be there and tell us what's happening. And I think what needs to happen is that the police need to do a better job of working with these with these journalists. That being said, I bring this up as a rather philosophical conundrum because when I read this story, man, it's tough. I've personally experienced this. I've experienced fake journalists, activists pretending to be journalists, trying to exploit the First Amendment for political gain. They say they're a journalist because they have their phone out. Okay, well, we have to respect acts of journalism. Therein lies the big, I guess, debate. Does someone have a right to peacefully assemble? And at what point should the cops come in? If we allow crimes, misdemeanors and certain uh, and certain criminal statutes to be grounds to declare an unlawful assembly, then eventually we erode our First Amendment completely. So I'll give you an example. Let's say right now they say, you know, we're going to pass a law um, banning beanies. That's right. Beanies are no longer allowed. And there's nothing in the Constitution guaranteeing the right to have a beanie. You then have Supreme Court precedent. Unlawful assemblies occur when a peaceful assembly is occurring and someone then engages in a criminal activity. Ah, well, there it is. A couple guys in the crowd are wearing beanies. Therefore, we have an unlawful assembly. That's the problem I have with criminalizing hate speech. And that's the problem I have with this idea that any speech or assembly can be considered unlawful. And that's why I think it's a conundrum, because I, I certainly think if someone is instigating violence, we should not tolerate that. But therein lies the big problem. If we say 
speech that is that is legal is free and speech that violates the law is not, then they can just ban certain speech. And they say it's not a First Amendment violation. It's already precedent that inciting or encouraging someone to commit a, commit a crime or act of violence is illegal. So there are many people who are free speech absolutists for this reason, saying, if you say that your right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed, but there are some guns that can be illegal, they're quite literally making laws that infringe your right to bear arms. The same thing is true for this. If we say you can't wear certain clothes, you can't sit in certain areas, you can't do certain things. I understand why we, we, we want these laws, but then the police can just be like red socks. There's a guy over there and his socks are red and you know that's a crime. So we're gonna have to break up your protest against the government. I'm certain that the British crown would have implemented many silly laws had they needed any to claim that the revolution was was wrong. And I'm, I'm sure they probably had some stupid and silly laws. So that's the problem, man. At what point do we fear the expansion, the explosion of these these zones into autonomous zones where you get absolutely insane crime? Two nights now of these clashes with police. And there's no real answer other than, I guess, tribalism. Or maybe we just draw that hard line. Maybe it should be so long as the people are there peacefully, it remains. But the moment someone engages in an act of violence, then you come in and you shut it down. What we're seeing in Minneapolis is absolutely insane, and it's horrifying. And this is what gives me pause. There was something that happened in New York, okay? They did this cashless bail thing. It was an experiment, and it kind of backfired. The idea was for certain crimes, mostly nonviolent offenses, well, mostly, individuals could not be uh, made to pay bail to get out of jail. If the cops arrested you for, say, shoplifting, then they arraign you, and then you are free to go. I understand this and I kind of agree with it. But hold on. Let's talk about what happened. You see, the idea is I don't like the idea that you're effect, you're essentially held guilty until you can prove your innocence. The state is supposed to treat you as innocent until you're proven guilty. That means if they arrest you and accuse you of committing a crime, they have not proven their case to a jury. Holding you and forcing you to pay money, I believe, is a violation of your rights, because if you are innocent, if we if you're innocent, you don't pay anything. You don't got to pay anything. Therein lies the challenge. We recognize some restrictions because what happened in New York. Well, when we did this, some of these people were caught red handed and the cops are watching them do it. And then they say, well, cashless bail, you're free to go. Those people committed more crimes. And so there was one guy who committed, I think, like 30 and he laughed about it. He was like, y'all just keep letting me out. Yeah, they just keep letting him out. But what do you do, man? It is better that 10 guilty persons escape than one innocent person suffer. The last thing I want to see is how is the insanity of the Minneapolis George Floyd autonomous zone, you know, occur in any other city. But I guess it has to be these people can assemble if they want to until there's a line we agree on, I suppose. But that's line. That line is probably violence, I guess. Here's what they're reporting about Minneapolis. And we'll go back to the L.A. thing. They say the FBI is now helping Minneapolis police monitor an intersection named George Floyd Square that has since devolved into an autonomous zone. That's brought record levels of violent crime and gun violence to the neighborhood since last May, as local residents and businesses pleaded for help. The intersection of East 38th Street and Chicago Avenue, where a bystander recorded the viral video that showed ex-Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin, uh, Chauvin pressing the knee into Floyd's neck, was first converted into a, into a memorial and renamed George Floyd Square after his death. But concrete barricades set up by the city last year to protect demonstrators from traffic now act as the barriers to an autonomous zone. 
co-opted by armed individuals declaring law enforcement are unwelcome as gang activity, drug dealing and gun violence disrupt local business operations. Here's my question. Let's start from a let's 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 start from a perspective of these two stories. How is it that we have the FBI involved in this and the police involved in this and they're not clearing out this autonomous zone? There's violence. People are dying. They don't care. Then how is it that in L.A. you got a homeless camp and that's priority? It makes you wonder, doesn't it? In these Democrat run cities, I think it's it's fair for many of these Democrats to complain about racially targeted policing or or class based policing, just bigoted policing or whatever. Right. The problem is it's run by Democrats in Minneapolis. You have this neighborhood, which my understanding is it's 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 uh, largely a black neighborhood. I'm not entirely sure. Maybe it's not. And the police don't care that extremists have taken it over and are killing people. I wonder why. I wonder why it is in New York, for instance, that people complain about stop and frisk and police brutality. But that stuff predominantly happens in black neighborhoods in Democrat run cities. It's almost like these people can't put two and two together. Perhaps the people you're electing are racists. Perhaps your ideology is racist. Now I look to L.A. They're clearing out a homeless camp. Why? Because it offends the delicate sensibilities of wealthy white progressives in affluent areas. Not completely, not always, but you know it, man. There's a story that was uh, in New York a while ago. There's this black cop and he went to Central Park and started issuing fines, tickets to people who are drinking in public, drinking wine uh, uh, for a picnic. So you get these white couples, they go to Central Park, they lay down these blankets, they crack open a bottle of wine and they sit there and they say, ah, what a beautiful day here in Central Park. This black cop shows up and starts handing them tickets saying drinking in public is illegal. Why? He said they come to my neighborhood in in, in Harlem, in the Bronx, and the cops give out tickets to people for drinking a 40 on their own stoop, on the stairs of their own building, hanging out with their friends. I have a 40. I think that's wrong. I think if you're at your house and you want to have a beer, that's fine. So this guy says, I'll go to Central Park. I'll I'll issue tickets. Guess what happened? The city freaked out. They they shut they they the, the, the cop got in trouble and I guess they revoked a bunch of these fines. This is racism, in my opinion. Is it an individual who's like a racist who's targeting people? Not necessarily. I think the cop deciding he was going to get back at you know the, the the police in his city by targeting white people who are drinking was racist. The problem with what the police are doing in his neighborhood is that they target these neighborhoods, these poor neighborhoods. And that, my friends, is some kind of institutional racism. Not that there's an individual who is particularly racist, but that the NYPD sends cops into these neighborhoods and they give tickets to people minding their own business in their own homes. Not a fan of that. Ultimately, here's where it comes. This is a Democrat city. In fact, New York, the Democrat stronghold. So tell me, please, why is it in Chicago you have racist police? Why is it in New York you have racist police? Why is it in Minneapolis they won't do anything to help this neighborhood? Because maybe it has always been the Democrats who are racists. Maybe they were the ones who were the Confederates. Maybe they were the ones who formed the Klan. Maybe they were the ones who pushed Jim Crow. And they were the ones who opposed civil rights. That's the fact. And now these cities, many of them which were Republican a long time ago, become completely Democrat run. And then we see the collapse of minority families. We see the police targeting minority areas and we see the rise of woke activists claiming these institutions are racist. And I'm like, my my, my thing to conservatives is, yo, in suburbs and rural areas, I've had great interactions with police. 
in these cities, yeah, these cops go into lower income and impoverished areas where there tends to be high crime because poverty is correlated with crime, and they engage in policies like stop and frisk. You then get Democrats claiming that it's wrong, and they keep voting for Democrats who keep making it happen. That's what I love. I think, you know, uh, one thing we mentioned quite a bit is how the RNC, they had a few black speakers. Uh, Tim Scott, I think is his name. He's a senator from, I think, South Carolina. He's a black man. And they insult him. The Democrats say the Republican Party is the party of white men. And then when they actually have some non-white individuals, those non-white individuals get insulted, berated, and smeared because the Democrats are racial identitarians. They're racist. And I think our institutions are as well. I really I, like I, I, I've talked about it quite a bit, too. So it's not like a new thing. But what people need to understand about this idea of like systemic racism or something, it's not that this one FBI agent is a racist or this one cop is a racist. It's that there are just longstanding policies that tend to negatively impact minorities in these cities that are run by Democrats. And that's what I don't understand about why conservatives don't jump on this message. They're like, we got to defend the cops. I'm like, I agree with that. When they go after cops unjustly and they claim that these cops who are actually stopping a crime did something wrong, I'm like, dude, if the cop does something wrong, you hold them accountable. But this is an amazing, amazing attack vector for Republicans. Republicans just need to come out and say, we completely agree with our Black Lives Matter friends. The, the cops in Democrat-run Minneapolis are racist. The cops in Democrat-run New York City are racist. There you go. Use that as your, as your talking point. The funny thing is, while Democrat policies lead to these overt complaints of racism and what Democrats themselves say are racist, they accuse the Republicans of being racist. Anyway, getting off on a tangent, the point is going back to what happens in L.A., what we see is out here a sea of white faces fighting with cops, not all of them, but many of them in a Democrat run town complaining about cops. Maybe there's something wrong with the people you're electing. Maybe when you go to these conservative areas, you don't see these problems. There was a there was a, 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 a statistic that came out showing that Democrat run cities tended to have more crime. And some people were like, that's ridiculous. It's a spurious correlation because large cities just happen to be Democrat and large cities will have more crime, period. No, dude, it was per capita, meaning in uh, I think San Diego is a Republican has a Republican mayor. And it, it is one of the biggest cities in the country, but not one of the top cities for crime. What I think is, I think you've got longstanding racist Democrat policies under the guise of not being racist. They do things they know will be subversive and destructive to minority communities. And that's why you see the autonomous zone in Minneapolis where George Floyd died. Ain't nobody going to come in and help these people. That's why you see Chicago when these stories come out about the tragedies and the gun violence. That's why none of these people are going to come and help them in Chicago. They're going to complain about Republicans. They're going to complain about Donald Trump. And the only time you actually see cops come out and clear something out is when it's offensive to the delicate sensibilities of wealthy white progressives. It's kind of a, a, a it's, it's kind of annoying, actually. Right? Democrats are the real racists, blah, blah, blah. Bro, you guys complain about your own cities over and over and over again. It never stops. Maybe you'll need to look inward and self-reflect on who you're electing and why you're electing them and the policies they're implementing and what they're leading to. Now, I think maybe density plays a role. And maybe the reality is we don't see this kind of stuff in, in other areas because, you know, a lot of rural areas tend to be very predominantly white, perhaps. So we don't know for sure. But if you are coming out and protesting and you're protesting your cops and your mayor and your governor, okay, by all means, go ahead and do it. But you better recognize it's the people you elected. It's your Dem Democratic Party members. 
And I think the conservatives should recognize this as well. The actions taken by the police and what they're being taken for as they're being directed by Democrats. Look, I think the police as individual officers, fine to a certain degree. But shouldn't you be mad at the Democrats running these cities, telling the cops to do these things? Shouldn't you point out how awful Democrat leadership is? I suppose this is just the weird wedge issue. It ain't going to change. I think there's an opportunity, though. Like I said, it's a great attack vector for Republicans to point out that Black Lives Matter ain't protesting Republicans. They're protesting Democrats. Now, okay, in Georgia, for instance, with the voting rights stuff, they're protesting Republicans. But hey, these cities, this is an opportunity for Republicans to be like, here, here, Black Lives Matter. Look at all these problems they're creating. Don't get me wrong. I understand that many Black Lives Matter organizers are Marxists, so Republicans aren't going to agree on that front. But look, there's a couple things to convey, and I'll wrap this one up. Should these people in this park be allowed to gather, be homeless, and just do their thing peacefully? And should we allow this erosion of the First and Second Amendment? Man, honestly, I, I don't think so. I think if it devolves into an autonomous zone, you got to come in and, and sweep it out. Then the question evolves into, why haven't they done that? Why are they doing it in L.A. to the homeless people, but they're not doing it to the far-left extremists in Minneapolis? The more people see the system is broken, they're less they're going to have confidence in it. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 4 p.m. at youtube.com slash timcast. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then.